Turn your Bibles this evening. <clears throat> Trust you have your Bibles with you to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. <clears throat> we'll read a few passages. We'll actually, instead of reading up front to save a little time, we'll just pick up some of these as we go forward. But Ephesians chapter 5 <clears throat> in your Bibles. I want to start some thoughts tonight, and I don't know how far we'll go on, on Sunday evenings, maybe um, from this perspective, the subject of to train up a child, to train up a child. This is something that's been on my heart and something that I've been really praying and working towards for quite some time. And, and so tonight we begin some thoughts with regard to this matter of to train up a child. As we explore this subject, I would ask that all the parents of all the children be willing to let the Bible be their guide. <clears throat> let the Bible be the guide so that we might parent successfully, so that we might parent successfully. Uh, some of you tonight may have grandchildren. I hope that you won't uh, just uh, get out your doodle sheet and start doodling. I hope that you'll listen because these things are practical for daily living, not only uh, what we'll do tonight, but what we'll carry forward and add to, and I trust in the, a number of the weeks ahead, so, so that we might be successful parents. And let me just go ahead and add to that successful grandparents. Um, we never really leave that off, you know, even if we may not have children in the home, we never leave off the privilege to have an influence uh, to those who grew up in our home and those who are grandchildren that will come to our home. And God still uses you in a, in a miraculous and a marvelous way. So I trust that <clears throat> these will be some things pressing on that will be of some help. Someone might ask, what is successful parenting? <clears throat> what is successful parenting? Well, many would answer that question in different ways. If it's answered from a worldly philosophy perspective, then you get it wrong. You get it wrong. If on the other hand, it's answered from a biblical foundation perspective, then you get it right. There's a difference in all the difference in the world with these two uh, perspectives. One based on truth the one based on perception, one based on feelings, one based on uh, thought that's secular to the core. As we begin tonight, let me say parenting, I don't think I have to say this, um, but I'll say it anyway, how parenting's hard work. And I hear some moms and dads say, amen. Parenting is hard work. Some of you th children thought, well, how could it be so hard, mom and dad? Uh, you got me after all. But parenting is hard work. What is true is that it requires long hours, sometimes physical exhaustion, financial uh, hardships even at times, emotional strains. It also entails and it must have spiritual investments. There must be spiritual investments with regards to training up our children. It often takes time as we consider investments. It often takes time for investments if they're financial. It takes time for those investments to, uh, we'll use the word mature. Well, but when they do mature, there's great, great uh, Lord willing, there's great rewards to be reaped. When it comes to children, sometimes it takes 
long hours, sometimes maybe years and even tears of investment. But if it's done God's way, it does reap rewards. It reaps a lifetime of joy in the Lord. I want to say as well tonight that as we begin these, these thought processes over maybe the next couple Sunday nights, I do not approach this as an expert on child training. So don't look at me as someone who thinks they got it right and that you're getting it wrong. Don't, please don't do that. Don't, I don't want to approach it. I can't that way. There is so much. Let me just say on the outset, there is so much that I did wrong. So much. I can't say that my wife did anything wrong. But there's so much that I did wrong. As a matter of fact, I, as I, in preparation for this, as I thought through, and, and the Lord has brought to my mind some things, and there's some times and occasions, when I look back and I think to myself, how ignorant could I have been? How dumb and how ignorant, I'll use the word stupid, could I have been? To do some things that I did, take some stance that I, stances that I took, and, and did some things that I believe, and I look back, were very unwise, very unwise mistakes. But let me just say, God's good. And God is able to take our ignorance and our mistakes and turn them out for His glory. And God does that. You're going to make mistakes parenting. But in God's grace and in God's good favor... He can take those things and turn them out for right. God has taught us some things along the way and we can learn from others and it's important that we do so. Some of you could teach this class, this particular message, this particular subject much better than I can. But we've all learned some things if you parented for any period of time. We could all learn from others. But the best place to learn from is out of the Bible. Best place to learn from. Sometimes we have to unlearn some things that were taught us. You have to unlearn some things. Some things that you learned along the way that you went a a little further down the road and you learned that was the wrong way. So you had to relearn it and even unlearn it in some cases. With parenting, there's not a lot of time involved in it. You got them just for a window of opportunity. There's not a lot of time involved in this. And so the time it takes to unlearn and start over, and even and oftentimes when it takes to do that, the time's not available. And sometimes even because of our wrong approaches and not doing things biblically, damage is done. And when damage is done, it can't readily be undone. So we almost in a sense, enter into, and we almost not really leave off parenting, but in a sense, we leave off biblical parenting, and so we almost enter into a damage control mode of parenting. I just got to maintain this relationship. I got to keep this going. I'm walking on eggshells, and this or that's taking place. We try to limp along a damaged relationship. We nurse open wounds. We try to fix what never should have been broken. When we do it unbiblically. It's better to learn from God's word and parent his way. To get it right and to seek to get it right. And even then when we do it God's way. There will come a time when that child will have to make up 
a decision, make a decision regarding his way. But we pray, and I believe with all my heart that when we seek to do God's way, and we seek to put in God's principles, that God will bless those principles in time. We may not see it immediately, but I think we do see it. I, th- in fact, believe that it's a promise that God's provided. And we'll possibly look at that in the days to come. But we want to get it right. Uh, it's okay to learn from others, but we want to do it, learn from the Bible. In case we will hear from others and get it wrong. There's so much, there's tomes of books written with regards to parenting. We could spend day after day just reading and reading. But let's go to God's Word instead of looking at what others say. Let's see what God said. So let's take a look at parenting God's way as it's found in God's Word. To begin with tonight, I want us to understand that there's a principle. If we're going to think about parenting, there's a principle that has to be laid and a a foundation that has to be laid. And this is the principle that I think you have to begin with regards to parenting. And this is principle number one, the headship of the home. Principle number one, the headship of the home. We could use the word maybe headship. We could put in conjunction with that the authority of the home. The authority. Look with me to Ephesians chapter 5 verses 20 through 33. Ephesians 5 verses 20 through 33. Give thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives. Even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. That he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man yet ever yet hateth his own flesh, but nourisheth it and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and the two shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband." Here I think in these passages we see principle number one, the principle of headship in the home. We find that God-given headship or God-given authority structure established in, in the home. The authority structure or the headship structure begins with God. It begins with God. Verse number 21, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. So as we begin thinking about this topic, we have to understand that there is an authority structure, a headship structure that God has established, and it begins with Him. It has to begin with Him. It's something that God has laid out. It begins with the Lord, 
the Lord is at the top, and we look at this passage, and we understand that the husband, with regards to headship, is second, and the wives after that. These are not standards of value. Let me say that again. These are not standards of value. We could say, in a sense, that there's standards of value with regards to God, but with regards to the to the male and the female, the husband and the wife, they're not standards of value, but standards of structure and standards of function. The family structure does not work where there is a passive, out-of-touch, unloving father. Let me just reiterate that again. The family structure does not work where there is a passive, out-of-touch, unloving father nor does it work where there is a rebellious and unsubmissive wife or mother it's not God's plan it's been said that two heads on one body is a monster one head must exist for the family structure to rightly function not two Again, this does not have to do with value. It has to do with function. When husband and wife are in constant battle for the headship, the family derails and crashes. When there's that constant bickering to to, to find out who's going to be in charge and who's going to make the decisions and which direction do we go, it, it sets the family on a collision course with disaster. So principle number one, there's the headship in the home. Principle number two, headship in the home. And let me preface what I'm getting ready to say in principle number two. Headship in the home and submission in the home are ruled and kept in check by love in the home. Headship and submission are ruled and kept in check By love that's to be in the home. So principle number two, love must rule the home. Love must rule the home. Ephesians 5 verses 22 through 24. Let's read them again. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husband as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the body. And he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so that the wives be to their own husbands in everything. There must be a love that's within the home. We see this love, and he mentions this love. The love of the submission of the, the wife to the husband is born out of, and it's, he likens it to the To a savior, as Christ is head of the church, he's the savior of the body. The submission is birthed out of a matter of love, and love rules that submission. Love for Christ, it's born out of a love for the Lord, because he's the savior. So out of that, that love that's born out of that devotion to the Lord and love to the Lord, rules in the submission. And it doesn't become a hardship. It becomes, in fact, a delight. Ephesians 5, 
25, look at the verse. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Verse 28 and 29, salt men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself, for no man yet ever yet hated his own flesh, but nursed and cherished it, even as the Lord the church. So just as like the submission is birthed out of the matter of love, Headship is birthed out of the matter of love. It, it not only it, it brings it forth, but it also keeps it in check and controls it. Proper love keeps submission and headship in its right place, in its rightful place. Proper love. Proper love is God's love. It can only be defined as God's love. It's not based on feelings. That's not proper love. It's not based on a command. It's not based on worthiness. Submission and headship is based on willingness. It's based on obedience. So when it comes to this matter of uh, the proper kind of home that we are to have, there must be that headship. There must be that that submission. But these things, again, are kept in check. They are ruled over and ruled by love. Where there is no love, hardship, or excuse me, headship becomes tyranny. Where there is no love in the home and in the family, in the husband and wife relationship, the headship can become tyranny. And where there is no love, in the family, in the home, between the husband and wife relationship, submission becomes rebellion. If there's not love there, they are both birthed out of this matter of love. This love is found in the husband and wife relationship. And so when both husband and wife, the husband and the wife together, they find their love in Christ. When a husband and wife finds their love in Christ, verse 20 and 21, giving thanks always for all things unto, the, unto God and the, Father, and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. So when husband and wife in the home, submitting themselves together under the fear, the love, the desire to serve the Lord, then that's when we begin to have an established foundation for child training when the horizontal love relationship is right then the vertical love relationship can be right as well but it's always a struggle when those two are not together when one when one Part of the family, the husband or the wife, they do not love God. They're not serving the Lord as the Lord would have commanded. Then also, also, this oftentimes brings a struggle within the home. But when the love rules within the home, both husband and wife are both seeking God. Uh, this is imperative. This is a principle that cannot be overlooked. So this does not tear us apart but this matter of love within the home brings us literally together. Principle number one, headship in the home. It's God's structure. Principle number two, love must rule in the home. And these two principles lay the foundation for the next. It's found in Ephesians chapter 6 verses 1 through 3. 
Principle number three, child training in the home. Child training in the home. Verse number one of chapter six. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. The training of the child in the home. It must be established upon the foundation of the headship of the home, as well as the love that must rule in the home. And then we begin, can begin this process of child rearing. Child rearing is not to be left to the juvenile detention center. It's not to be left to the public education place. Child rearing begins in our homes. It's, let me go a, a step further. It's not even to be left to the Sunday school teacher. Or the, even the preacher. Or the youth pastor. And albeit those people, God in his grace and his love and his kindness sends our way and along our way. And that's why, let me just say, it's so important to be part of a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching local church. Because you have those influences. Listen, if you do not influence your child in the right, the world will influence them in the wrong. So it's important that you have these influences and they are there to come alongside you, but to not never, ever take your place. The first message I mentioned before, maybe one time, the first message that I ever preached here at Lakewood Baptist Church, when I became the youth pastor with that title, I guess you want to use that, uh, that, that, that terminology. The very first message I preached was, I'm not the youth pastor, you are. Mom and dad, you are. I'm just called of God to come alongside and help you in this matter. But primarily, you're the youth pastor. You're the one that's to raise your child. Established headship over children. Where is this established headship over children? He uses the word, in verse number one, he uses the term parents. Parents. Honor thy father and thy mother. There are promises attached to it. Uh, young person, do you want to live a prosperous life? Amen. Do you want to live a long life? Amen. This is a promise in the word of God that's connected with this matter of obedience to mommy and to daddy. Who wouldn't want such a thing? Here parents... We go back to the idea of the headship in the home. But here parents are given headship authority over the child and over the children. The first principle that we looked at is not violated. But in fact it is expanded and built upon father and mother have authority over the child. It's the idea of child training. It's God's plan. Children are to obey parents. Just as man is to obey God, as daddy is to obey God, a child is to obey the parent. The same correlation is there. He says out of verse number one, for this is right, he says, for it's right. Notice the phrase, that's in the Lord. That's very significant here. For this is right. Obey 
your parents in the Lord, for this is right. The idea of the phrase in the Lord, it simply means that in doing this, in fulfilling this obedience to parents, the child is then obeying God. In fulfilling the obedience to mommy and daddy, the child then is obeying God in the process. Parents, we are, we are, you could use this thought, you, we are vice regents for God in the home. In other words, you stand as God in that home. You stand in the place of, you do not take the place of, but you stand in authority as God in your home. You are acting in the place of another. God in your home. And I'm talking primarily to the youngest of our children tonight. And we'll deal with more in the days to come. Parents, you are the God-given authority in your home. And when your children obey you, they need to know that they are obeying God. When they're obeying you, mommy and daddy, they need to understand they are in fact obeying God. And when they disobey you, they need to understand that they are disobeying God. This is a concept that needs to be conveyed to our littlest of ones. The parent-child relationship must also, just like the husband and wife relationship, it must also be ruled and controlled in love. Ephesians 6 and 4. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Love controls and keeps Parenting in the right balance. Love without rule spoils the child. Love without rule spoils the child. Love, excuse me, rule without love provokes the child. There must be a balance in this. A God-given balance. The lack of love distorts and gets Uh, everything out of balance, never, let me just say this, never discipline in anger, never discipline in frustration. Boy, have I ever done that? Yeah, yeah. When I get this thing out of order and I I don't allow love to, to rule in my heart, then I make a, rest, a wreck of things and a mess of things. I believe a child, by the time they can put a sentence together that you can understand, ought to have been taught and made to understand that disobedience to mom and dad is disobedience to God, but obedience to mommy and daddy is the same as obedience to the to God as young as they can when do you start as young as you possibly can mommy and daddy is God's representatives in your home when you teach your children to obey you you're teaching them to obey God and you need to convey that fact to them 
You need to convey that truth to them. Negatively, the opposite is same as true. When you allow your children to disobey you, you are teaching them to disobey God. God has given us children for us to train. If you fail to train them, if we as parents, if we fail to train them, then we as parents are in sin. We as parents are in sin. Children ought to be taught and made to understand that if you don't spank when they disobey, God's going to spank you. Sit down and talk to them. Help them understand this truth. Listen, you did wrong. And I'm not spanking you out of anger. I'm not spanking you out of frustration. I'm spanking you because I love you. And I want you to understand that, that, that God has placed me in your life to care for you and to love you and to train you up. And if I don't do what I'm commanded to do biblically, then God will deal with me biblically. They need to understand that. They need to hear that from you. Child training and discipline, I think, are to be done primarily in two ways. They're to be done, and we'll talk about this one tonight and maybe this next one next week. They're to be done beginning, and here it begins with verbal training and discipline. Verbal training and discipline. Secondly, physical training and discipline. But it has to start with number one. We don't jump to number two. We have to start with number one, the verbal training and discipline. You start with the verbal command. Johnny, daddy and mommy says, put that down. They need to begin to understand that. Johnny, daddy and mommy says, put that down. Johnny, daddy and mommy says, don't squeal in the home. Johnny, daddy and mommy says, it's bedtime, put your toys away, it's bedtime now. Our children must know that daddy and mommy's verbal commands are to be obeyed. Let me ask you, does not God expect us to obey his written verbal commands? We see the written word of God, does he not expect that from us? Why should we expect any less of our children? Verbal commands. Obedience is not. Okay. One. Two. Three. I'm coming in there. That is not obedience. Obedience is not you getting to the point where we scream at our children. We're now we're so frustrated, we're screaming at our children. Obedience is not getting us to the point where we, I won't do it, maybe you want to do it to me. Make that ugly face that you make. You know that ugly face that we make to our kids? That one that's supposed to crumble them on the spot? I'll get my hands on you. I'll get you home tonight, we'll deal with this. If it gets to that point, listen, we've lost the battle. You've lost the battle. If it's a one, two, three obedience, 
If it's a you screaming kind of uh, direction that now brings it into line, you've lost the battle. If you have to make that angry parent face and grab them by the arm and drag them down the hallway, you've lost the battle already. If sitting in church and your kids cannot sit in church, and let me just say this, help your children prepare them for church services. And one good way to do that is to help them. Listen, we're going to go to church this week, and this is how we respond and we react in the house of God. And so this is how we're going to sit in church. We don't talk in church. We don't make noise in church. And by the way, train your children to go to the restroom before church starts. And do not let them go to the restroom unless it's a have-to case. And those things do happen. And we leave, we, there is, there is uh, allowance for those things. But understand, moms and dads, our children know how to, they know how they've trained us. You will get what you train for. You will get what you train for. And if you train for nothing, you'll have to live with what you get. So you get what you train for. So work in these matters to train for these areas. And listen, it will make the parent and child relationship so much more joyous. So much more fulfilling. And so much more helpful. And it will take a whole lot of the stress off mommy and daddy and a whole lot of the stress off Johnny and Sally I don't know if we have any Johnnies and Sallys here but don't lose the battle don't let that go to that point children ought to be taught by the time they learn to crawl that no means no and do means do now, it takes hard work. I just, we said it early, early on. You know what it takes? Hard work. It takes consistency. It takes mommy and daddy understanding that headship with the love, with the desire to do what God's called them to do. They must, the child must know that. Love must rule in the home and Jesus Christ must rule in the home. Second and third time verbal commands are not obedience at all. First time obedience is what we train for. It's what we seek to provide and seek within our children. God expects no less from us. Again, why should we expect less from our children? God gives us children, I think, sometimes. Maybe it's a sense of humor from the war. I'm not sure. He gives us children because there's a sense where our children train us. Don't they? There's a sense where our children train us. God gives us those children to train and he'll use those children to build into our lives and train our lives. Our children will oftentimes expose our own disobedience to God. Parents, it is your job to train your child in the way he should go. It's your job. Someone said, I I don't know where I picked this up, but I I thought it was good. Particularly dealing with the younger ages. Parents are the external control in the life of a child during the period that they lack their own internal control. Parents are the external control 
for the child and the life of the child during the period that they lack their own internal control. That means foolishness is bound in the heart of the child. Now, we'll look at this particular passage out of Proverbs next week. But understand, it's our responsibility to help them, to guide them. You train your children for what is right and to stay away from what is wrong. You are God's vice regents in the home for this purpose. Again, you'll either train them for what is right when they are young. And I am convinced... But a child left to himself, the Bible says he brings his mother to shame. It doesn't have to be that way. What we see going on in our culture today is an entire generation that's been left to themselves. It's been left without a parent. It's been left without God's headship and structure. It's been left without love. And now we as a generation are living with the consequences of these things. But that ought ever be the case within us. As God's people, as part of the family of God. As I mentioned early, I want to be careful that I do not bring condemnation and hardship upon those who are dealing with a wayward child. And I do not dare mean to point a finger and say that was wrong or this is wrong and I did it right and, and this is what I did and so I must be right. Please, I never want to convey that thought. There goes I, but by the grace of God... And God is good. And God does take our mistakes and turn them out for his good. There will come a time when that child will have to make a decision. When he's old, he'll not depart from it. I think we don't know what is that terminology. What does it mean by when he is old? Does that mean when he's 16? Does that mean when he's 28? Does that mean when he's 38? Does that mean when he's 58? I do not know the answer to that question. But it is our job as parents to instill the truth of God's word into their hearts so that that word of God never gets out of the hearing from their hearts hearts so that they always hear it so that they're always recognizing it a child will have to make up his own decisions but I believe if we do our part God will bless it headship in the home love in the home child training in the home I'm past time we'll pick it up next week we spoke this evening we looked at this idea of verbal Training, next week we'll pick up and go a step further. We'll look at the physical aspect of it. But I just want us to begin tonight, be thanking God. Let me just say tonight, thank God for every young person and every family here at Lakewood Baptist Church. I couldn't be more happier, couldn't be more thrilled, couldn't love a group of people any more than this group right here. And I believe this is one area I... Me and Angie and I would both say, and I think parents who have raised your children would both say, all of us would say together, grandparents and grandma, grandma and grandpa, I wish somebody would have sat down and just tried to instill some basic principles of child rearing when I had my little ones at home. It might have saved me some mistakes. It might have saved my child some heartaches. And so we learn from our mistakes. And we go forward. So tonight, let's continue to go forward for the glory of God. Let's raise the next generation to love the Lord, to serve the Lord. But we've got to begin by letting them know how to know the Lord through saving faith.
teach them. Nothing sweeter in the world than a mommy and daddy showing a little child how to be saved. And to know that that child can come to mommy and daddy and say, I got a question about Jesus. Can you help me? To kneel beside that bed with an open Bible, pray with that child, and lead them to heaven. What a wonderful, wonderful opportunity that is. Let's trust God. Let's believe God. Let's bow our hearts. Father, we thank you this evening for your care to us. And I'm fully aware that this is somewhat of a difficult subject, maybe even a touchy subject in some cases. But Lord, I pray that it would be a subject that we would learn, we'd be open to the Bible on truths that would help us not to condemn us necessarily, but to build us, to build in us a heart to do things the way you've designed, a heart to put you first, Lord, in our structure of our home, the love within our home, the child rearing, training within our home, That when others come through our places of abode, they would know that something's different here. When people see our families, they would know that there's something unique. Not necessarily because of an outward appearance, but literally because of a countenance that shows upon the face that flows out of the heart. So God help us now to do this. I thank you for every family, for every mommy and daddy of a young one. I pray tonight for some mommies and daddies whose children may be away from God. Lord, thank you for those, those, fair, those parents. Thank you for those dear ones that have prayed and continue to pray. Lord, help us never to give up. Help us to, never, to keep on trusting you and looking to you to do what we can't do, but we can pray. And Lord, if we pray, all things are possible. So we keep Trusting you. Help us not to give up. Help us not to lose heart. Keep trusting in your word. Bless now we pray. Lord if you've touched a heart tonight. And there's a matter of a need. Maybe it's the need of eternal life. Salvation may tonight be the night of saving faith. Maybe it's simply a, a need of redirection. Maybe some mommies and daddies. Some grandmas and grandpas tonight with grandchildren. Maybe some need to just come to this old-fashioned altar and get up on their knees. Lord, cry out to you and say, God, help us. Help us to do what's right. Help us to follow you in the face of all the adversity. Lord, help us to keep our eyes fixed on you. And we do it for your glory. Maybe some need to come and simply pray something of this fashion. Lord, whatever you're doing tonight, Speak to hearts and will you get the glory from it in Jesus' name. Amen.